Good morning. I know everybody wants to talk, right? Everybody's like so glad to see each other and be back and maskless and just everybody's talking in the lobby. It's just so great to see. I'm Christina Saba and we're welcome to worship. We're glad that you're here. We have just a couple of announcements for this July 4th. Um, since we only have a few, the band can make its way out. And do not think that I will be in the band. <laughs> oh no, dogs will howl. Um, hopefully you found some special treats in the lobby today. Remember to bring your cup from home, if you can, just to do your small part in caring for creation. No judgment if you forgot. So on Monday, which is tomorrow, the 5th, the church office and the food pantry and the preschool will all be closed for the holiday. Um, and as you may know, we have ping pong in the Palm Center on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 7 in the afternoon. The cost is $3. However, this is so nice. An anonymous donor from our church wants to pay for the fees for any young person up to age 21. He likes the idea of having a fun thing for the kids to do, and it's his treat for the whole summer. Nice, right? I'm telling you, Church of the Palms, there's some awesome people here. Um, so no reservations for required. Bring a friend, just show up and play. So Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, ping pong. All right, so even though we may have already had it, let's take another minute to greet one another. Majesty, above the blue. 
We do worship a God that never leaves the one behind. Amen? Amen. For those of you I have not had the chance to get to meet yet, my name is Connor Peters. I am the student and family ministry director here at Church of the Palms. I'm excited to have joined you guys. I have been working remotely since February, but just became local and started here on June 7th. So coming up on a month now. For those of you I have not gotten to meet yet, I'm excited to do so as time goes on, but I've been enjoying the time that I've gotten to have so far and getting to meet our students and our families and just see the work that God is doing here in Church of the Palms. I want to go ahead and invite my mic runners up to join me this morning. Uh, as always, before we share our, our praises and our prayers, uh, there are several ways that we can be giving. We're currently still not passing around a basket during service, but if you look up on our screens, those are the different ways that we can be giving online through text. Very simple uh, and we are just so appreciative of the way that you partner with us through your time, through your prayer, through your gifts, and all that you do for us and our mission to love God and love neighbor. So thank you for all of that. I'd like to go ahead and uh, have our mic runners introduce themselves real quick. Step in a little bit here. Hi, I'm Reese Sniffer. I'm a 10th grader at Riverview High School. Hi, I'm Marissa Saba, and I am going into my sophomore year at Sarasota High School. Fantastic. So as we begin this morning and sharing those things that are on our heart, before we get to our prayers that we want to lift up, uh, I'd like to take a moment to maybe deliberately share the praises that we have and the things that we want to give thanks for and celebrate this morning. Are there any praises or things that we want to give thanks for and celebrate? Uh, yes, we have a huge prayer of thanks and praise. Our son, Drew, has just completed his fifth year of, after a stem cell transplant, and they say he can consider himself cured of leukemia. So praise God. What a celebration. Praise God. So thanks for all your prayers, and thanks for his donor that we don't know who it was. 
Yes, praise God for the generous, generosity. Any other praises that we want to give thanks for? Any birthdays we want to celebrate this week? Another year on earth is worth giving praise for. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and move into our time of prayers. Those things that are heavy on our heart that we want to share as a community in prayer and lift up. There's a young woman that's a friend of my son who has breast cancer and bone cancer, mm. and she's only in her late 40s. Her name is Katrine, so if we could continue to pray for her. Absolutely. Prayers for Katrine and all those who are currently undergoing the, the task of battling cancer. Lord, hear our prayers. Are there others? All right. Let us pray. God, you give us so much in this life that we can be thankful for. So many things that just go unnoticed during our week because they have become so common in our lives. We thank you for those blessings, God. And God, we're reminded this morning that you are all powerful. God, that you are the giver of peace. God, that you provide healing. And Lord, we lift up those things that are heavy on our heart this morning, both, both spoken and unspoken. God, that we are reminded in this place this morning, here and now, that we are one body, united in Christ. And that those things that are heavy on our heart and these trials of life, we do not undergo on our own, Lord, but we can lean on these brothers and sisters around us this morning. God, we give thanks for the community that you have blessed us with that we're able to call Church of the Palms. And we ask that you continue to pour into us your grace and your power and your strength and your healing hand as we just continue to live out this life that you had called us to live, as we try to exemplify you and make your kingdom known here in Sarasota and beyond, Lord. We ask all of this in your holy son's name. Amen. Good morning. Happy 4th of July. Nice to see you all here this day. And uh, a lot of you got that uh, red, white, and blue memo. Good, good for you. I'm wearing my, that's why I'm wearing a tie right now, because the only red and blue thing I've got. So um, you'll have to bear with me. <clears throat> um, we're going to be receiving communion after the sermon today. And um, when we do uh, get to that time to receive communion, we'll be doing it together and you just tear off that thing that has the bread on it first. Don't do the juice first or you'll, you'll be sorry. Um, do the bread first, eat that, and then follow that with the juice. And uh, then put those things back in the bag and take the bag home with you or make sure you deposit it somewhere in a trash can. So, uh, We are uh, shifting gears today from our um, Windows on the Word series where we're reflecting on the stained glass windows in the chapel um, we don't have a window that corresponds with July the 4th, so we decided we would focus a little bit more on the um, theme of this day rather than the window. So we'll be back to the window in a couple weeks, um, but today we're going to be taking a look at a couple of stories, um, actually one story and one then text from the New Testament. The first comes to us from Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 14, 
And this is a story that takes place where the people of Israel have, uh, been, um, have escaped Egypt and they are on their way uh, to um, the wilderness and they are in the wilderness. They've been there for a while. They've received part of the law, but not all of the law. And uh, Moses has gone up to receive more of the law and he's left the people behind. And this is what happens. You know what? I'm looking at these candles. Could somebody blow those out for me? Thank you. I don't want everybody looking at the candles while I'm preaching, so thank you. We've got a little bit of a draft going on up here. So. so Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 14, and would it be helpful if I wore my glasses? When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us, and who shall go before us? As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Well, take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron, and he took the gold from them, formed it in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. And they rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once, your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation. Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. Second lesson is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Paul writes and says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. Lord, we pray this in his name. Amen. One of the hardest and most life-changing and most fruitful years of my life came when I agreed to be the director 
of a freshman men's dormitory at my college. I am not sure what the Dean of Students was thinking when he offered me the opportunity to be in charge of 128 freshman men, and I am not sure what I was thinking when I agreed. This was back in the dark ages when college students like myself, then only a junior, were given the responsibility to shepherd a building full of fellow undergraduates, and in this case, 10 dozen young men who were experiencing freedom for the very first time. It is a big leap when an 18-year-old is dropped off at college and away from the watchful eyes of mom and dad. He or she can do pretty much whatever they want, and for the most part, they pretty much do. And on top of it, the summer before these freshmen arrived featured the release of the movie Animal House. <laughs> you can only imagine what thoughts this Hollywood classic put into the minds of these young men itching to be let loose. My staff and I, over the ensuing nine months, got to watch these men under our charge go in a million different directions. Some went to the library every night and studied. Others went to the fraternity house every night and drank. Some found ways to test the college policies on drugs, on women in your room, on respecting other people's property. This quiet little Presbyterian college, I got to learn about attempted suicides, assault and battery, U.S. felonies, bullying, runs to the emergency room, warring roommates, alcohol poisoning, and that's just the start. I learned a lot that year about human behavior. I learned a lot about myself. And I learned that I did not want to make Student Services Administration my career. <laughs> and I also learned something about freedom. Freedom is a precious gift with which we are endowed by our Creator. And yet an unfamiliar freedom can be dangerous. In William Golding's haunting tale, Lord of the Flies, a book I suppose many of us were required to read somewhere back in high school or college. It tells the, he tells the dystopian tale of a group of young boys whose plane, evidently escaping the threats of war, crashes on a deserted island, and those that survive the crash are left to fend for themselves without the aid of adult supervision. At first, the boys begin to you know, set some rules for how they're going to order themselves while they wait for help, and all for one and one for all. They determine their priorities around their survival. They set off to do the things that they can do together. Things are going well, but it doesn't take long for the, for the group to pull apart. Disagreements among rivals leads to conflict. The boys pick up sides, become enemies, grow afraid not only of their future, but of, their, of each other. And in the end, any semblance of civilization they brought to the island turned to savagery. They turn on themselves, not unlike the adult war they had been escaping in the first place. At one point, one of the boys are talking about an imagined beast that's lurking in the woods. And one of the boys says, maybe the beast is us. An unfamiliar freedom can be a dangerous thing. And maybe that's what unfolded in the sandy Sinai after the people of Israel had been led away from their Egyptian captors crossing the sea, only now to be left on their own to journey across to the promised land. Now, now they could do whatever they want. Now they could be whatever they wanted to be. Now they could take destiny into their own hands. But an unfamiliar freedom can be a dangerous thing, as Moses learned when he left them behind to go up the mountain to receive the law. 
They were free now to do whatever they wanted. No prophet, no dorm director to get in their way. And so before you know it, they take advantage of their freedom, and out of their freedom, they make for themselves a god of their own desiring, the, the golden calf, the, the voiceless, lifeless god that lets them free to do whatever they want to do, eat, drink, and be merry, this god that gives no thought beyond what they are thinking, this idol that gives them freedom, but only for freedom's sake. And freedom for freedom's sake makes us captors of ourselves. Bound to our own devising, our own fears, our own insecurities. Freedom for freedom's sake has us wandering in the wilderness. It's one thing to talk about freedom from, freedom from Pharaoh, freedom from slavery, freedom from Egypt. But freedom just for freedom's sake is a dangerous thing. They knew what they were free from, but they didn't yet know what they were free for. When a young couple come together before God and before others in marriage, they learn something about freedom. They learn about what it means to be free for. They are freely binding themselves to each other. They are binding, and in their binding, they are the most free, free from the captivity to their own selfish desires, free from their aloneness, free from their wandering, free from their fear. They are free now for each other. Elton Trueblood, the great 20th century Quaker, said, We have not advanced very far in our spiritual lives if we have not encountered the basic paradox of freedom, that we are most free when we are most bound. Makes me think of the time when in elementary school our teacher had scheduled a part of the day, a part of the afternoon, to serve as a review for the tests that we are supposed to take the following day. She had seen that some of us were struggling with the subject matter, and so she had graciously given up a part of the afternoon to go over what was going to be on the test, except that we didn't quite appreciate it as a class, and our behavior showed it, talking, goofing around, chewing gum, you name it. Finally, she had had it, and she said, that's it, you win. For the next two hours, you can do whatever you want, talk, write, write on the board, chew gum, who cares? You can do whatever you want. But just so you know, there's still a test tomorrow. So, of course, the next two hours was Lord of the Flies. Every kid out for themselves, and after a while of my own revelry, I looked up, and over in the corner of the room was the small group of students, just two or three, who were sitting there with the teacher, and they were going over the test for the next day. And I thought to myself, what a waste of their freedom. <laughs> As I returned to my revelry, I thought less so the next day when the test got handed out. We are most free when we are bound. The story is told of President William Few of Duke University, Duke's first president, walking across the campus on a very rainy Sunday morning. Friends of his saw him walking and stopped to offer him a ride. And in doing so, they asked where he was going on such a rainy morning. And he said to chapel. And they said, well, on this rainy, blustery morning, why would you decide to go to chapel? And he said, I didn't. He said, I decided 55 years ago to go to chapel, and it's been easy ever since. We are most free when we are bound. 
which of course is the amazing thing that dawns on us when we turn our sights to this table, this table where Jesus breaks the bread and pours the cup and says that this is his body broken for us, this is his blood shed for us. And we realize that Jesus is doing this of his own will. Jesus is exercising his freedom. Jesus is binding himself to us. You know, Jesus, you don't have to do this, we say. You know, Jesus, you are free to do whatever you want. You're God. You are free to rid yourself even of us if you desire. Leave us to our own devices. Abandon us to the chaos of our own desires. Leave us wandering in the wilderness, building our own golden calves, making it all about us. Jesus takes the bread and breaks it. He takes the cup and lifts it and says that freedom is not freedom from. Freedom is freedom for. And God in Christ is for us. When the chief priests and the scribes laugh and deride at the foot of the cross and say, come on, Jesus, exercise your freedom. You don't have to stay up there. You can jump down. Make it about you. The unconditional love of Jesus keeps his arms outstretched and says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Father, hold on to them and never let them go. God freely chose, wrote Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the 20th century martyr, God freely chose to be bound to historical human beings and to be placed at their disposal. God is not free from us. God is free for us. Stunning, isn't it, that Moses teaches God something in the wilderness. That God has been more captive, has been made captive by his wrath. And that God is most free when God is bound to his people. So what might this mean for us American Christians who with great pride and joy celebrate our independence on July the 4th? We do well, of course, to remember what we have been freed from, freed from tyranny, freed from oppression, freed from the sovereign rights of kings, freed from taxation without representation, freedom from government suppression of speech and suppression of voting and suppression of religion. That's what the fireworks will all be about tonight, or if you live in my neighborhood, what they were about last night and the night before and the night before. We who gather at this table have an even greater freedom to celebrate. And that is a freedom for. That God is not free from us. God is free for us. God is most free when God is bound to us. And you and me, are we not most free when we are bound to Christ? And in being bound to Christ, bound to each other. Love God, love neighbor, Jesus says. You were called to freedom, writes the apostle. Only do not use your freedom for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. Slaves, he says, to each other. Makes me think of Mr. Walney. Mr. Walney was my driver's ed teacher. Mr. Walney was the guy who took his life into his own hands and sat in the front seat of the car while I took the steering wheel into my own hands, 
God bless Mr. Walney. His life was bound to me. And I was bound to him. And at the end of the course, when Mr. Walney was giving us his last bits of wisdom, you know, for us soon-to-be unleashed drivers, he said this. He said, you know, soon, your mom or your dad is going to hand you the keys of the car. And you're going to think, when you get those keys, you're going to think that you're the master of the road. And that you have a playground now to play with. He said, let me tell you a secret. You're not the master of the road. You are the servant of the road. And as soon as you start that car, you are responsible for everybody else on the road and everybody in the car. Your job is to do everything you possibly can to take care of everybody else. I will not ever forget what Mr. Walney said. So don't you think that on this July 4th, it might do us well to think of a unique thing we brothers and sisters can bring to the American experiment. That amidst all the debates and the polarities and the parties and the court decisions and the rallies and the social media and the cable talking heads and all the arguments about what we are free from, don't you wonder if what we get to do is to be free for something? To take care of everybody on the road. You were called to freedom, writes the Apostle. Only do not use your freedom for self-indulgence. But through love, become slaves to each other. For we are most free when we are bound. Amen. of our freedom when we respond to the invitation to come together at this table we don't have to come nobody forced you into this room and nobody will force you to partake of those elements but it's the great exercise of our freedom when we are called to become a part of this fellowship and this table and to know that Jesus Christ is here yearning to bind himself to us. So friends, as you ponder the presence of Christ in our midst, know that the Holy Spirit is seeking to work within us such that we may find the courage to exercise our freedom in the world and to share with the world the great and precious love of Jesus Christ. So here are the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he is betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. 
And after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he said, This cup is the covenant of my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again, and he will come again. Let us pray. Receive us again, O Lord, at this table, that we may know of your goodness, that we may know of your power, and that we may know that we are most free when we are bound to you, that our freedom in Christ sets us free to be the people you've created us to be, and that through us the world may come to know of the precious love we find in your son Jesus. Let me pray this in his name. Amen. Let's now partake of the feast. Bow down before him, 
thank you. We thank you that we have one to be bound to. We thank you for this precious meal that gathers us up and then sends us off into the world to be free for you. And we ask, O oh God, that we may be channels of your spirit, be vessels of your love for the sake of the world you came to save. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.